I'm Adam Kaiser. And I'm Jordan Fees. With us is Ansi Delport, Head of Compliance Operations at Rolls-Royce. After focusing on forensics and investigations for the first part of her career, Ansi jumped at the chance to join Rolls-Royce in-house team. But before we get to our conversation, let's cover some of the trending topics impacting practitioners. Jordan, what's happening in the world of compliance? So much of our conversation with ANSI is about due diligence. So I thought it would only be appropriate to address an emerging topic in the world of third-party DD, which is human rights due diligence. So human rights due diligence is increasingly being adopted into stronger legal provisions worldwide. We've seen the German government adopt a draft of a bill which obligates companies to ensure that human rights are being observed throughout the entire supply chain. The EU plans to develop um, a legislative proposal this year requiring businesses to carry out due diligence uh, in relation to potential human rights and environmental impacts. So a lot of movement happening on this front. That's getting heavy. I mean, this is beefy stuff and compliance is uh, at the, at the, the center of it. So, but that's, I mean, I think that's a great, uh, that's a great development. I think something to definitely focus on. So let me ask you this, rolling out a new program in the midst of a global crisis, I would say is intense, right? So what should compliance teams do to ensure their success? Well, Adam, you know, I'm not the expert, but that's exactly what you'll learn today on Risky Business with Ansi Delport. You make an assumption on our show is that most kids don't dream of growing up to mitigate organizational risk. So our question is always, how did you get into compliance? I would say I took the long and non-conventional route. I'm not a qualified lawyer. I trained and qualified as a chartered accountant in South Africa. And then I moved to the UK. I joined the PwC forensics practice here in Birmingham, focusing on investigations. I did a couple of FCPA cases. But I think the real turning point was the UK Bribery Act coming into force in the UK. Right. Created a lot of more opportunities for us to work with clients on risk assessments and that sort of type of work. And I actually worked with PwC on designing a third-party program for a client. And they turned that into like an online platform, the first one PwC had. And then I was approached about five years ago to join Rolls-Royce, the compliance team. And at the time, the Rolls-Royce was under the DOJ and the SFO investigation was going on. So it was a really exciting opportunity to join. So I decided to try moving in-house. We like to ask our guests to share an oh shit moment. And we define these things as, you know, there's kind of two ways to look at it. They can be career-defining moments because it's like, oh, I can't believe I just figured that out. I solved that a real turning point and learning experience in a very positive way. Or there can just be like, I can't believe that just happened. Oh my God, that's crazy. What am I going to do sort of things? For us, we really like to know what is your story in that situation? I'm going to turn this one around and talk a little bit more maybe about as I was reflecting on my career and my aha moments, as I would call them. So I've been a working mom throughout my career, juggling work with two kids and the normal running around. And um, one of the things that after I went off on maternity with my son and I came back to work, one of the things that I just assumed is that I wouldn't be able to do investigation work anymore. It required a fair bit of traveling at the time. 
and working from home a lot. And I really enjoyed the work, but just seemed that in my head that maybe that I wouldn't be able to do that. And it was entirely not the case. I continued to be able to work on high profile cases, some of the biggest investigations that PwC was doing at the time. And it just dawned on me, there's enough um, barriers in life that just don't make assumptions and, and kind of hold yourself back. You don't have to do that. And uh, so that was really a light bulb. And then the other one was I was attending a school play for my daughter. It took some time out of work to go and do that. And afterwards, she said to me, mom, you weren't looking at all. You are uh, you on your phone the whole time. And that was mm. a bit of a shocker. And uh, and it just made me felt if I'm going to take time out of work, then I should really be there. And at Rolls-Royce, we have a really good phrase, which is about be here now. And I think it's so important in, in your personal life as well as work. We're all working remotely from home at the moment. And it's so easy to get distracted on your phone or on email when you're in a meeting. It just goes to show that give people the time and attention. If you're in a meeting, just be there and listen and pay attention. I love that you brought up being a working mom. And I think it's so relatable, especially in this industry, because from the stats I've seen in the compliance industry, it is about 50% men, 50% women, which is a phenomenal feat in and of itself. But I think, especially this year, more than ever, I think people were juggling the family and home responsibilities with work responsibilities all happening simultaneously at once. But it's great that compliance was able to continue in your career and be successful in both. So let's pivot. What is one of the proudest moments of your career? If I think about my compliance stunt career, I would say it's the the redesign and simplification of our um, Know Your Partner program at Rolls-Royce and also procuring a platform that supports that program. As you guys know, we selected the Vantage GAN platform for that. And it was a really challenging project. And I remember reading a quote at the time, and it said the difficulty lies not so much in developing new ideas as it is escaping from old ones. And that really resonated with me because it's so easy to just tinker around the edges on something. But we wanted to take a really fresh approach and fresh look at our Know Your Partner program and then try and, and really be bold uh, and, and take a different approach. So, for example, we wanted to put some pace and simplicity into it. We wanted to introduce a, a more sophisticated risk model, which is slightly different to what um, typically is being used. And we want to also put the power back into our businesses and empowering the businesses to create a flexible approach whereby they are uh, empowered to make some decisions on certain areas. But it comes with challenges because designing something that's on paper, that's flexible for the business. So for example, if you have a medium risk partner, you may use your discretion not to do an external due diligence report. When you build a platform, the things are pretty much process flow. So the one can't happen before the next one. And how do you give people the flexibility, but also have the tech that supports that. So that's some of the stuff that we really had to work our way through during that project. And it's gone really well and we're up and running. I'm really proud of the work that we've achieved with that. I like what you mentioned around not iterating, but really reinventing, because I think that's so true. A lot of times it seems like the easier solution just to tinker with what's happening. And it's a a much bigger undertaking to completely, you know, overhaul the current process. So I guess, how did the rollout of that process go across the organization? It's gone really well. I think it's not without its challenges. We went live last year 
in February. So to try and roll out a new program during a pandemic is not without challenges. But we were pretty well positioned in that some of the stuff we were doing. So first of all, I wanted a platform that was really intuitive and user-friendly. We created an electronic user guide that supports that. We've created some e-learning modules that were some really short bite-sized training. So in terms of rollout, we were pretty well positioned for a light touch approach and that we didn't need a lot of face-to-face training and heavy lifting to get it out there. So that was really beneficial to try and do that. And I think one of the other challenges we had was around trying to design something that works for everybody across the group. We've got pretty diverse business units. Civil business is very different from our defense business. It's very different from our power systems business. And to design something that works for everyone was quite a challenge because I was didn't want to have three different instances of the same platform for the different business units. So that that was quite a, a challenge as well. I think you touched on a lot of interesting topics there. So let's maybe talk a little bit about the pandemic and how did COVID impact your compliance program and maybe how you saw it impacting the, the industry at large as well. Maybe start with the industry first. I think it's pretty well known that the travel industry has been pretty hit pretty hard and as well as then obviously Rolls-Royce and the recovery is not happening as quickly as we expected or hoped for. That has created quite a lot of pressure in the business in terms of losing a lot of staff and it's public knowledge about the restructuring going on. But from a compliance program point of view, like I say, we were well placed for my piece of work to roll it out. I think the biggest impact is probably in terms of the pace. So it's probably been a bit slower than we were hoping for it to be. But other practical things, typically we would sometimes go and interview or do a site visit at a high-risk third party. We had to revert to doing those either remotely by video conferencing or other telephone interviews instead. So, you know, that's happened. In terms of other areas, the wider program, the risk areas that we see is sort of new business models coming about, business trying to uh, generate new ideas. Some we had to switch ethics training that we would normally deliver face-to-face that had to be quickly moved into a remote online delivery. So there's certain things that has an impact, but we've managed to keep going. A lot of adjustments to be made. And I think that the impact on the travel industry at large is obviously massive and can't be overlooked. Looking back, so like you said, before Rolls-Royce, you were in forensics at PwC for 14 years. So can Mm -hmm. you tell us a little bit more about that transition? It was actually quite an eye-opener and uh, probably a little bit harder than what I expected it to be. I loved working at PwC. I really um, loved the people that I worked with and and really enjoyed it. And I think one of the great things about working in a professional services firm or a type of firm like PwC is there's always somebody to ask. There's always somebody who you can consult with, bounce an idea or somebody's done this before. It's such a, it's a great network and, and a great business. So moving into industry, one of the real challenges was about be, you being the subject matter expert and people coming to you for all the answers to their questions and there's nobody to consult with. And, and it was just a learning curve to trust your judgment was a real thing for me is just to make sure that it's fine, you know what you're doing. And that was one of the challenges we faced. And I think it's pretty fast paced in professional services. You tend to work to client deadlines. In the industry, I found that you always have that thing about somebody coming to you with the last minute, something's happening tomorrow and they want some advice now. Our business is getting better at that, but we do get the odd occasion where people come up at last minute to solve a problem. So yeah, so that, that's some of the challenges that you face in terms of moving from the from PwC. We love to talk technology, obviously, is again, the technology company that we are. What are your thoughts on compliance technology? What should 
compliance officers should be thinking about today in terms of their technology stack that they're using? I think there's a lot of talk about big data and AI and all of those things. But I think if you're somebody who's got nothing starting from scratch, there's quite a lot that you can do that is free of charge or simple. So if I look back, the first iteration of our risk model, we built in Excel. And then I had the challenge of one of the things that Rolls-Royce has got is that all the business units are on the same platform. So I was trying to think, where am I going to put my risk model for people to access? And in the end, we, we decided to build it in SurveyMonkey that which was every, available for anyone everywhere via link. And then there's, you get stuff like Microsoft Forms that you can use for due diligence questionnaire. There's great stuff being done with Power BI for dashboards. So I think there's quite a lot that you can do without spending a lot of money in that front. When you do buy a platform, I what I see at the moment is more and more companies bringing all the elements of their due from the ethics compliance programs together in a single platform to so your speak up line, your third party um, due diligence and so forth. So I can see I see a lot of that happening as well. Do you think that most compliance officers and so forth are looking for that one platform approach or do you think it's moving into the future of connecting multiple systems, best of breed and maybe even how you can pull data in from your other business systems, or is it really just one view, one login is the best view for everyone? I think there's a case to be made for both. And probably the latter is where I would see it going because having all your eggs in one basket doesn't always work. And again, if you get to somebody like us, if, if, if you've got budget constraints, I can see something where you have something that's set on top that pull in from your different systems that can pull the data in and then give you the information that you need. And, and it's normally what you need is some management information or dashboards, that would be really helpful. I can see the, the argument for both. You take a look back at just the compliance industry as a whole. What do you think is being done right or what's being done wrong? Well, I personally think that the compliance industry is definitely moving in the right direction and getting things right. Gone are the days when it was all about rules-based policies and procedures. You walk into an office and there's like rows and rows of files on a shelf and that's your compliance program. I think people are much more focused on shaping the culture and looking at behavioral science and things like that and making things simple. One thing I think is we've Rolls-Royce has done really is our code of conduct. People are moving. Ours is available on the App Store. You can get it on Android as well. And what's really helpful about that is our code has gone very slimmed down. It's a principle-based approach. What's the principles? What will we do and if you're a Rolls-Royce employee, you can even click through to the underlining policies and procedures. So I think moving to that sort of simple, not volumes and volumes of work is really good. And I think the other thing is about becoming a partner to the business. We're no longer the, the, the police officers and the ones that say no all the time. We're very much of let us help you how to do this safely for the company and protecting the company and yourself, protecting our employees in the way that we work. So I do wonder if there's something about changing our names, not ethics and compliance officers, but maybe ethics compliance partners might be a better name yeah it's a subtle change but i think it'd be pretty impactful it'd send, a, it'd send a very different message i also like what you were mentioning around the behavioral science side of things because i think this has such a big impact and it's exciting to see the industry kind of give a little bit more weight to it because essentially we're looking at how large groups of, of people behave whether that's ethically or unethically and how some of the outliers behave and why they behave that way so I think that's a really great point. Yeah, it's an interesting area. And that thing about tone from the top, if you join an organization and everybody does something in a certain way, uh, it's so easy to go, well, okay, everybody does it that way. That's acceptable. And that's how we do it. I think that is a really interesting area. 
So what piece of advice would you have for those who might be interested in getting into a career in compliance? I think it's not a career that I knew about when I started off, but I would definitely say if the opportunity comes along, go for it. It is such a broad and varied field. You can go from the ethics space, third party, speak up, investigate. It's very broad and it's always interesting. They will never be bored. So that, that definitely encourage them. I think the one tip I would say is going back to my earlier point about build your network. So as soon as you um start in the compliance world, make sure you make connections and connect to other people because it's really helpful in, in terms of getting a different perspective, benchmarking, bouncing ideas of people. I found that really helpful. So our, our final question for you today is what does compliance and ethics mean to you? Every day I get my little news feeds of new bribery and corruption cases going on. And sometimes it's very easy to feel, why am I doing this? I'm making absolutely no difference. It's still rife, bribery and corruption in the world. But I think for me personally, it's it's believing that I am making a difference, that we are making a difference. It's small step at a time, but for every third party that I train on bribery and corruption, for every third party that I help make an improvement on their compliance framework. What is acceptable gift and hospitality? What do we expect from them? I think it makes a difference. So, you know, don't give up. We just have to keep going. And I think we are going to make a difference and we've got to keep fighting the good fight. Do you have an oh shit moment that you'd like to share knowing that it will help others like you? Shoot us an email at riskybusiness at ganintegrity.com. We'd love to hear from you.